2: Welcome to it. Great to have you in on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal in with us. Excited to talk some college football, Nebraska news, and scheduled times. Get the propane ready. Get the tailgate fired up. And uh, you can plan accordingly with the, uh, well, a lot of red beer and Bloody Marys, it sounds like. Maybe get the sunscreen ready, too. That could happen. So we'll uh, get to the scheduling uh, setup. The uh, Freedom of Information Act, a wonderful thing. And uh, more of a reminder of just how screwy a year ago was. Uh, Details out for the world to see with Ohio State and their reaction uh, a little less than a year ago to the Big Ten Conference. So we'll spend more time on the Nebraska schedule. Also some thoughts on... Uh, when fans lose their mind i e to uh jack wagons uh that just because you spent money on a seat doesn't mean you need to turn into an a hole uh just uh, just horrificness in the n b a last night towards a couple of stars numbers to get in four six six three seven seven six four six six thirty seven seventy six eight hundred eight two five 5865. Find us on Twitter. Give us a follow. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And you can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So Lars Anderson from uh, the Jay Barker Show. Lars Anderson, the uh, New York Times bestselling author, uh, wrapped up his project, his uh, Behind the Curtain, The Experience of Tampa Bay. And their championship run. Tom Brady, Levante David, and Dominican Sioux, Leonard Fournette, Bruce Arians, Gronk. I mean, it was a cast of characters, a cast of Hall of Famers and stars and pro bowlers. Well, Lars was a part of that ride. And uh, we'll sit down with Lars coming up in 15 minutes. And he'll tell us about his new book, A Season in the Sun that's going to be out late September, early October, documenting Tampa's run. And Lars is going to be great. We'll get into just how the stars align to get Tom Brady. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, the pride of Fremont, Jason Light, former Husker and Tampa GM, saying, let's do it again, baby. And all 22 starters are back for Tampa. I know there's a lot of Chiefs fans. I like Kansas City as well. And it wasn't a good day for Kansas City against Tampa for the Super Bowl. So uh, my sympathy to you there. But really a good look, an inside look, as Lars sat down with Bruce Arians and uh, his second book with uh, B.A. is coming out. So Lars Anderson uh, will give us uh, quite a bit of time here this first hour as we'll dive into the the Tampa run and the the Husker connection. In hour two, Gary Barnett will be with us, the coach, uh, Brandon Vogel. Uh, from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, Vogue's with us uh, at uh, 525. And then the Pride of Chicago, Danny Burke has some incredible NBA prop bets for you tonight. Okay, uh, let's get into it with Nebraska's schedule. You have some kickoff times, and that is flat out awesome for Nebraska to know what's going on. Let me ask you this. Do you have a a preference as a fan? Are you all about night games? Are you about the 2.30 where you get to kind of plan your day out and then get down to the stadium and rev up your tailgating? Uh, None of us are out of practice. We've just been put in timeout the last year. Uh, It will come back to us easily like riding a bike or crushing a brat. But Nebraska's had a run of 11 o'clock games. Part of that is due to their record. And part of that is also trying to kind of climb back up to, to national relevancy. I have no doubt the Nebraska Oklahoma game was a sought after commodity, right? And I know the ABC kickoff is going to have uh, Auburn at Penn State. We'll see if college game day is in. Uh, happy Valley for that one. Big 10 SEC matchup, I understand it. But Fox is been all in on college football. The big noon kickoff show will be there. I think Bob Stoops is the one replacing Urban Meyer uh, for that big noon kickoff. And Nebraska will be front and center on Fox uh, for that game against Oklahoma. An 11 o'clock kickoff. We will be there for that We'll uh, get caught up with Coach Switzer. We'll have some of his wine. We'll see where the Friday-Saturday takes us ahead of Nebraska-Oklahoma. But uh, the the reality is this. Nebraska will have a lot of eyeballs on a really busy day of college football, September 18th. That's the uh, kind of final hurrah before you get into conference season. That third week of the season is a monster list of of non-conference games. That's where you build up to kind of test yourself Against some interconference showdowns. It's Nebraska, it's Oklahoma, it's the, 20, it's the 50th anniversary of the game of the century. So, listen, it'd be really cool if that was a night game, Elijah. I'll take an 11 o'clock kick. And uh, from a nostalgia standpoint, uh, a, a ton of college football eyes will be on the big red against the Sooners. 6 7 o'clock would have been great on ABC. 11 o'clock's what you get, and it's the main feature. And it'll be uh, it'll be promoted, uh, so much you may get sick of it, but probably not knowing this matchups here.
3: Yeah, and it's, it's cool that all the eyeballs are going to be on Nebraska, but personally, I've always, always preferred the PM games, the the evening kickoffs, just because of the atmosphere difference that there is in the stadiums around the country the at 7 o'clock. It's the buildup. You have all day to be tailgating. You're watching these other games on TV and saying, this game's cool, but this Nebraska game tonight, that's the one I'm looking forward to. You, you have that buildup all day. And, then, I mean, you watch NBA playoffs right now. Go look at Madison Square Garden. Look at the environment they have there. Look, look how it impacts the game. Yeah, wear your face shield. I mean, especially after the past the past year of COVID, mm-hmm. no fans in the stands. I think it would have been awesome to have that Nebraska Oklahoma game be in primetime just because of the atmosphere there would have been down in Oklahoma. That being said, though, I, eleven a.m. kickoff I can do. I'll I'll come to the pregame show. I'm sure, uh, go back home, get in my little half hour forty five minute nap, or just drink some coffee, and then it's it's kickoff time. Like it, it, it's not the same buildup, but the eyeballs are going to be in Nebraska still, and I, I still appreciate that.
2: It, it'll work, and you know what. Nebraska will open things up at noon on Fox as well. Kind of the marquee game with the return of uh, Brett and Nebraska opening on the road. That's a good get for week zero. Supposed to be in Ireland, not going to be in Ireland, but it will be Nebraska and Illinois. And it, it, it's going to be the Power Five showdown of the day because there's only like four or five games. I know Hawaii's playing. I know there's some other teams in action But you'll have a good chance to showcase yourself with Nebraska with a pretty loaded team experience-wise going on the road to kick off this 2021 season. Fordham will uh, visit Lincoln at 11 o'clock. That'll be a BTN game. Also on the Big Ten Network, uh, Buffalo comes to Lincoln. We mentioned Nebraska-Oklahoma, the big one. As we get into conference season, uh, Northwestern and Nebraska, 6.30 – that, these games have been so incredibly tight. They've been such one-score game, woulda-coulda-shoulda ball games for, for both teams. I mean, it's been down to the wire. Grab your heart medicine. You don't know how it's going to finish. And it, they have been absolute drama-filled. Right. You go back to the overtime win in, in eighteen for Northwestern, where they're down double digits and they find a way. Uh, you have the last second kick through the sea of hands for Nebraska to to defeat Northwestern thirteen to ten in, in twenty nineteen. And then you have last year where Nebraska took the lead going into halftime, and then that's all they got. Right? You had a touchdown drive. Uh, And uh, you you got held the two field goals instead of two touchdowns. And Northwestern just made enough plays, forced enough turnovers, two red zone turnovers, right, uh, against Northwestern last year. So this game uh, deserves to have kind of a night showcase. Uh, You think back to the Hail Mary game in 13, where Nebraska looked done uh, until uh, you get the Randy Gregory uh, and, and Avery Moss kind of bang bang interception touchdown return then Nebraska gets a stop and then Amir puts on his superman cape right and and somehow gets a a first down on a 4th and 15 on a little dump off and then you get the opportunity to get the uh, the the connection with Westercamp from uh, Ron Kellogg so we'll see if if both teams are faring all right schedule-wise by the time October 2nd gets here. Maybe it's a BTN 630. Maybe it's a, a Fox or an FS1. If both teams are unbeaten or one lost or they're ranked, I mean, a lot can be set up. Maybe that's an ABC. But this game, we'll talk to Yuri Barnett, Barnett about the, the schedule and, uh, and specifically Nebraska Northwestern, just how that series has been so, so close every year. Listen, uh, October 2nd will be a monster opportunity as well for Nebraska. You want to talk about official visits in season, come check out the atmosphere. Come check out Lincoln on a game day where there's a buildup for an opponent you want to beat and you're tired of being close. Last time you, you blew out Northwestern, I think you got to go back to 16 right on the road with the the, the, the electric white uniforms. Uh, and then even back in 14. You've done better in Evanston traditionally than you have in Lincoln against Northwestern, but you'll be able to get uh, a long visit list officially here for some of your 2022 and 2023 kids, uh, most likely your 2022 kids on that night game. Uh, Nebraska-Wisconsin will be on, on ABC, uh, which that is not fared well for Nebraska on ABC against Wisconsin. Uh, you, you don't ever want to you don't want to go to camp randall at night you just don't if that's a 2 30 or an 11 o'clock all right with me if i'm a fan and i want electricity night game would be sweet and then you end it on black friday uh against iowa twelve thirty kickoff uh and uh that'll be a big 10 game so hey it's a good setup a good a, a good listing and you can plan accordingly and it'd be it'd be great to get out of these 11 a.m. kicks and you can do that by winning. You can be a, a more attractive Nebraska is already an attractive TV team. They just are. People are going to watch, people know about them, doesn't matter their record. Uh obviously there's more juice to it when Nebraska's winning and doing well in college football, but just from a brand standpoint, it's still a a heavy hitter when Nebraska's on TV and specifically we don't know what's laid out yet for Nebraska with in, in record and how the season's going will tell what happens with Nebraska-Michigan. Nebraska-Ohio State is still in play for TV. Will that be prime time or will that be an afterthought? It just depends on how Nebraska's season goes. But you have some statement opportunity. A, for sure, against Illinois uh, as the game of, of the weekend, week zero. Uh, then against Oklahoma. What do you do against uh, a perennial Playoff favorite, a team that's supposed to compete and win for an, uh, a national championship, and then Northwestern as well. I mean, those are memorable games um, against the, and it's against the defending West Division champ. Those are memorable games that go down to the wire, and you get it done in prime time. Those are burned into the memory. You know, think about being at at, at night games at Memorial Stadium where there there wasn't a lot of tight games when I was growing up. But point and point of it is those those kind of think of the Miami game. That was kind of a back and forth ball game. And then bang, Nebraska ends up getting some breathing room and And, and everybody cheered. Nebraska needed the energy from the crowd that night. I mean,
3: obviously, there's all the buildup because it's Miami. But you could tell the team fed off that energy. And that's what let them. You know, kind of put in that big performance in the second half and, and lock down a win. And, and I'm looking for that same thing against Northwestern. Is there anything more perfect than an October 2nd, 630 start? That means you, it's going to be beautiful weather all day for tailgating October. That's going to be jeans and T-shirt weather. And then before the game starts, you throw on your hoodie, walk down to the stadium. And then as the game goes on, it's going to cool off. The, the night's going to uh, or the sun's going to go down. The night, It's going to be nighttime. And the, the energy is just going to be live. I mean, because you just know it's going to be a close game. I'm, I'm super excited for this one. I think that's a, a perfect
2: kickoff time, 630 October 7th. I, I'd love and, and Nebraska's had their share of night games in Evanston. Two of the last few wins against Northwestern uh, have been night games in Evanston. So I like this schedule for Nebraska. Good on them. Real quick on, on Ohio State and the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, Ohio State's response uh now in in writing. <laughs> uh now uh that, that digital footprint is is real and it's it's funny to hear the incoming president of Ohio State, she hadn't officially taken over. Johnson asked Gene Smith, So, dude, can we go independent? And Gene's like, Well, you know, let me look at that. But just a slew of email from from fans that were crushed and upset. Uh, It was pretty well detailed about how there were talking points and there's a PR plan and how we handle this. And no one's a fan of the spring. What the hell's going on? Can we go independent? And, you know, no one's going to come out after the fact. And Pat Nebraska on the back. That, That has happened. Ohio State's done that. But right now you had Gene Smith in in a text exchange with his president saying well Nebraska's looking into it and they're they're going public or they went public with it uh, just kind of shows that Nebraska again played the full back, played fullback for the rest of college football last year getting uh, that running back into the end zone and Nebraska wasn't as as brazen it was something as simple as let's explore opportunities and Scott Frost was on the money with how this thing's going to play out pandemic-wise as far as better to play early than late. And the Big Ten ended up playing the peak of COVID season, later into the season versus going early. Lars Anderson's next.
1: He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy.
2: Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, and we say hi to native Nebraskan Lincolnite, and he's down in Alabama with the Jay Barker Show. Twenty New York Times best-selling books, and another one I feel like's on the way. We say hi to Lars Anderson at Lars anderson 71 Lars, how are you, man? It's been a while.
4: It's been a while, Chris. Uh, good to catch up. Good to hear your voice. Knocking out book after book here.
2: You have a a, a real fantastic offering. For football fans. I know Nebraska fans will be all over this as well with the Levante David and Indominus Sue and Khalil Davis connection. But the Tampa Bay Bucks championship run, a season in the sun, the inside story of Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, and the making of a champion. This is fantastic. Lars, let's start off with this project and how it kind of materialized for you.
5: Yeah, so Bruce and I wrote a book together in 2017 called the quarterback whisperer and our editor at the time was um at a at a smaller house and a smaller publishing house in new york and he's since then he's moved on to harper collins as the bucks were progressing through the playoff i reached out to bruce and said hey would you be willing to do something if you guys win. And he was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I wrote a a short email to our editor, and he said, okay, well, let's just wait and see what happens in the game. All right, so they blow out the Chiefs 31 to nine. Then I just wrote probably just a three-page memo Kind of outlining the vision for the book. You know, I was going to be the solo author on it and Bruce would help me with access to coaches, to players, uh, just basically open doors that wouldn't be open to any other reporter. Of course, for that, Bruce is compensated something. He's able to get put together a book deal literally within about a, a week. You know, it normally takes, I mean, months and months and months for these things to develop. Uh, and it usually requires a book proposal anywhere from 50 to 80 pages. And here I just write this quick four-page memo, and we got a very uh, lucrative deal. And um, the only problem was that I had uh, nine weeks to write it. Uh, normally it takes me 18 months to write a book. And so I just uh, I got in my car, <laughs> got my dog, and uh, went down to Tampa. Uh, Drove like 10 hours and uh, just sort of camped in Tampa at a hotel close to Bruce's house for, um, you know, a a couple weeks, basically, and and just interviewed as many people as possible and then just started putting together the narrative. And it really is, it's absolutely fascinating how they landed Brady uh, how difficult it was for Brady to learn the Arians' offense, how in many ways the Arians' offense runs counter to everything that Tom ever did in, 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 in New England. The New England offense, it, it's referred to as the uh, Ron Earhart slash Ray Perkins offense, and it was then tweaked by Charlie Weiss and modernized. Uh, right when Tom got there in, in, in 2000. Uh, but still, it's, it's really sort of a death by a thousand cuts. I mean, Tom loves the short throws to, to the running backs, uh, just the short stuff over the middle. He's not a uh, at heart. He's not a risk, taste, risk taker. He kind of views things through the prism of what can I do while minimizing risk realizing my own limitations and realizing where the ball is on the field, what the down and distance is, what the score is. Well, B.A. is the complete opposite. He's like, look, if it is third and one and we got the ball at our own nine-yard line and you see our best wide receiver lined up to the outside in press coverage, there's no over-the-top safety help, I want you to audible from a run play where we're probably going to get the first down to uh, 88-go. which is the, Bruce's favorite play. It's just a straight go route and uh, and, and, and so I mean, and so this was just a foreign concept to, to Tom Brady, and also the, the verbiage is different, uh, and, and so it's almost just like he had to learn a whole new language and, 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 and in a way, you know I, I think that this the, what made the season so special and, and by most metrics, by the way, Chris. Tampa Bay went from, uh, in terms of team merchandise sales, from, I think, 28th in the league to number one. They had an increase of 2,500% from one year ago till uh, to about, like, last week. And, then, of course, it's all because of Brady. But uh, I think Brady became, and correct me if I'm wrong, and, and again, I'm, I'm so close to it, it's hard for me to have perspective, but I think Brady became more relatable this year, more, uh, he showed a a humanness. He showed frailty. He showed weakness. And he, it, it revealed that he wasn't the, you know, just the guy, whether you, whether it was true or not, the perception was everything had been gifted to him. He looks like a J crew model. He's married to Giselle, uh, the, the, the wealthiest model in the world. Uh, and she's actually made more money over her, her career, uh, over 560 million, than Tom has. I think Tom's right at 275 right now, um, and, and and so it, I think Tom just he, he showed he he showed again like um, a relatability, and I think it increased his popularity. And then at the boat parade, you see him intoxicated on on, on his two million dollar yacht that he bought just a few days before the boat parade. And then, you know, getting, getting inebriated, throwing, throwing the trophy. And, I, and again, I think he's almost like the only person on the planet who can get away with public intoxication and actually increase people's affection for him. Because it's because we're seeing a side of Tom and also just sort of battling father time, doing this at age 43, um, it, it, it's really an incredible thing. And then and, and Bruce becoming the oldest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl. And uh, for Nebraska fans, I'll tell you, he absolutely loves Levante David. He's his favorite player on the defense. He's the leader of the defense. Whenever Bruce wants to sort of take the temperature of the defense, of the players, of their feelings, of their attitudes, he goes to Levante. And, my, and and Bruce always does, uh, does this with every team he's been on. He, he 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 picks the most respected vet, and he establishes an incredibly close relationship. And uh, you know it was it was uh, Levante who kind of noted that Leonard Fournette uh, during practices was sort of distancing himself from the rest of the team. And this was at the midway point of the year, and he would he sat through an entire walkthrough on a water cooler. And, and, uh, and it was Levante who, who mentioned to B.A. that you need to talk to Leonard. And, and Bruce did. He went and, and said, and, and again, at this point in the season, Leonard was not getting many carries, uh, like, you know, just a few a game. And Bruce said, okay, here's the deal. He's like, I'm not mad at you, I'm not upset with you, but I'm not going to let you destroy my locker room. Mm-hmm. And you can go inside the facility take 20 minutes, call whoever you need to call, and then you come back out here and you tell me to either cut you or you're all in. And so Leonard did that. He went inside, made a few phone calls, came back out and said, Coach, I'm good. And not even Bruce could have realized how vital Leonard was going to be. I mean, you can make the argument that Fournette really was the Bucks' offensive MVP for the entirety of the playoffs. And that went back to Levante having a conversation with Bruce.
2: Lars Anderson's with us. Hail Varsity Radio, A Season in the Sun, his new book, the championship run for Tampa Bay, uh, Unparalleled Access uh, with Bruce Arians and the Bucks. That's Levante. You talk to him, you talk to his teammates, past and current, and uh, they will do anything for him because he does everything for them. Uh, on the field, off the field, playoff Lenny was huge, but the, the personalities that were acquired by by uh, also native Nebraskan Jason Light incredible. You bring in Antonio Brown. Here comes Gronk. Meanwhile, you've got Brady, Mike Evans has been great for deck for you know for a decade plus, and and you add weapons, so it's not all on on Evans' shoulders. Your offensive line stellar. You get Sue back. Uh, or you add suit to the roster, and Levante's always kind of been quietly killing it, and finally he got some exposure. Bruce is just magic, it sounds like, Lars, not only with the Fournette story, but just he's not afraid. He looks at the talent, and guys want to fit in and play with him, play for him.
5: Absolutely. And, you know, when he took the job in 2019, he 100% thought that he could fix Jameis Winston. Uh, Bruce holds a football camp here in Birmingham, Alabama, and he got to know Jameis when Jameis was just, uh, I think, in ninth grade. And they had sort of maintained a relationship over the years, and and so Bruce thought he could turn Jameis into an elite quarterback, into uh, a Pro Bowl quarterback, into a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. But, you know, Jameis ends up throwing 30 interceptions. That's more than any other quarterback has thrown in the 21st century. The last interception was just the dagger of 2019. He threw a pick six, uh, uh, threw a pick six, and it was the quickest overtime game on the first play of overtime. Mm -hmm. It was the quickest overtime game in NFL history. And Bruce just was saying, enough's enough. Mm -hmm. And they were really looking at Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, They thought that Bridgewater was going to be their guy. And then, um, you know, all of a sudden Brady is having some issues and they start hearing these sort of rumors coming out of New England that Brady could be available. And this guy, John Spitek, very important figure in the Brady, in the landing of Brady. He's a, a scout for Tampa and he played with Brady for one season at Michigan and he, sort of through his own sources, own mutual friends with Tom, found out that, yeah, this is real. Like, Tom, is, he's ready to go. And, um, and, and on the first day of, of uh, free agency, uh, it, I think it opened at 4 o'clock. Uh, at 4 o'clock and 10 seconds, uh, Jason Light, you know, uh, Nebraskan, who I absolutely adore. I love Jason Light. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. We have, we, you know we have mutual friends. Mm-hmm. He knows Ted Wright. He used to be a bouncer at the Brass Rail. Uh, <laughs> I, got, I got so many great stories. I got so many great stories about Jason. Um, and it, but I'll get into that in a second. But at, at 4 minutes, 10 seconds, he, Jason calls uh, Don Yee, who is Tom's agent. And Yee said, you made the right call, Jason. And they went on to talk and said that, you know, Tom's interested. And we're
1: back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome!
2: Lars Anderson continues on with this here. Hail Varsity Radio on a Thursday. And uh, Lars, tell me about that phone call between Jason Light, Bruce Arians, and when they got on the horn with Tom Brady.
5: Three days later, the first day that they could have um, have talks with players, Jason drove over to, to uh, B.A.'s house. And, uh, you know, again, they're both sort of former bartenders slash bouncers. As one of them put it to me, before they called Tom, they they got a little personality in them, and uh, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, five seconds after free agency began, they called Tom. Tom answered the phone and said to Jason, "What's up, babe?" And right then, they knew they had him you know and, and it was almost like Tom was pitching himself more than the bucks had to pitch Tom because Tom had already done his research he knew about the wide receivers he knew about the young talented defense he knew everything he knew he wanted to be in a warm weather climate he and uh, Giselle were gonna uh, build their forever home which they're doing right now in Miami he knew that that Derek Jeter's place the the, the biggest it's a mansion it is it is it's the biggest house in Hillsborough County which Tampa is in, he knew that that was vacant and that Jeter had offered, you know, Jeter was going to be his landlord and he'd have to pay rent and everything, but he knew that that was available. Just all the stars aligned. He wanted to play with Bruce, who uh, I think, you know, you know through talking with me and just knowing about Bruce, he's the anti-Belichick. I mean, Bruce, do you imagine Belichick having a tailgate out of the back of his car after every game? I mean, he couldn't do it this last year because of COVID-19, but that's what Bruce does. He wants his players to come by. You know, and anybody who wants to come by, he'll he'll give you a beer or make you a drink. He's so close with his players; uh, he wants to know, you know, about their personal lives. If they ever have any problems, they can they can approach him. Uh, he's just a very approachable, likable guy, and you can't necessarily say those same personality characteristics apply to Belichick but um they knew from that very first phone call Jason and and Bruce that that they had their man yeah and, and Tom could have asked for more money i mean it was, i think it was a two year what 25 two year with 40 million it was just recently renegotiated but um he could have asked for anything he wanted and they would have given it to him um and uh and then Tom he was willing to he was going to change his number uh because number 12 was worn by uh, Chris Godwin wide receiver and, uh, and and Tom was he was going to change it um, to number eight uh, I'm sorry to number seven mm-hmm. because he wanted that seven Super Bowl ring but but Godwin uh, being a pretty smart guy himself um, knowing that he was coming into a contract year he wanted to make sure that his quarterback felt very good about him. <laughs> so he, he gave the number up. for. He didn't charge Tom anything. You know, you've heard these wild stories in the past where I think Clinton Portis paid like $35,000 uh, to get the number 26 when he was with the Redskins. And, you, you know, you've heard, you've heard all this, this, these crazy stories, but but uh, Godwin just gave the number over to him. Um, and it, But, again, they, it, it took a while. You know, first game out of the gate, uh, you know, Tom throws a pick six. They, they get beat by New Orleans. Uh, they lose three out of four games going into the bye week. During the bye, uh, Rob Nikovich, who is a former Patriot and a teammate of Brady's, he goes on ESPN's Get Up and says that, that Arian should be fired. And, uh, you know, Arians and, and Bruce watched it. He saw it, and, he, and Arians are just like, this guy's got no idea what he's talking about. He doesn't know how close we are. And after the bye week, um, they, uh, Bruce and Tom spent hours and hours just figuring out more about the playbook, trying to meld what Tom was comfortable with and what he was doing at New England with the Arians' sort of way. And, bam, they just take off from there. And they end up winning eighth straight in the Super Bowl. You know, and look, they conquered um, uh, uh, Drew Brees, his final game. Brady says goodbye. They conquer Aaron Rodgers on the road. Aaron Rodgers may never play another game in Green Bay. Who knows? And then they conquer Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl it was just a masterful dude from Todd Bowles it was to me like the the defensive coordinator was the sort of MVP of that. You know, Tampa had blitz on a percentage-wise more than any team in the NFL uh, heading into that game. But because the Chiefs had two, uh, both their their left tackle and their right tackle were both injured, um, Bowles was confident that they could just pressure, get pressure with four. Uh, Mahomes was hobbled a little bit with an ankle injury. And, um, and 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 so that it, it, he Bowles sent fewer blitzes in that game than he had in the previous like seven years of, a, of when he was presiding over a defense. So he was just totally out of character. They just they were they were going to double Tyreek Hill wherever he went. Mm. They were they were not going to let Tyreek Hill get behind them. And uh, they also thought uh, it was a big advantage if they played the Chiefs earlier in the year, because it's like you can see their speed on tape, but it's different kind of speed when it's on the field. So now they knew kind of what they were they were up against. Um, but it's a it, it's a really fun story, and the fact is now they have all 22 starters coming back. First time that's happened since 1977 with the Oakland Raiders. And uh, and I, this team was just hitting its peak in the playoffs, you know. And uh, and and and, it, it, and again, even though Brady's the sort of headliner, this, this is a team built by the defense. This is a team where the the, the strength of it is, is the defense. And and again, Bruce absolutely loves David, and he loves Sue. Um, and, and Sue is still playing also at a very high level.
2: Well, uh, Lars Anderson with us, Lars. Uh, it's fascinating about bowls and you got Shaq Barrett he's a a, a UNO kid uh, until they disbanded the program and uh, he's a kid that was at Boys Town so there's another Nebraska connection but you got JPP and and Barrett off the edge with Sue in the middle and you didn't have to blitz and they really took advantage of of Kansas City and and earned a a title and and I know folks are still smiling about it Is, is BA surprised they got it done this soon I know they hit their peak, but usually it's it's a second-year deal after you kind of get your footing.
5: Absolutely. When they're at 7-5 and five at the bye week, when he had that long
2: chat with mm. Brady, he was
5: thinking about trying to build momentum for 2021. He was not thinking about the Super Bowl. I I, I, I mean, he, you know, he told me that straight up. He was just trying to fix they Again, they lost three out of four. And Tom often looked lost out there. there there's just no—you can't deny that. Uh, early in the season, he didn't know where his receivers were gonna be. It hurt him because they missed OTAs. They missed—I mean, they the the Bucks' uh, offensive staff estimated that Tom missed something like 1,500 reps because of because of COVID-19. And not only that, literally thousands of more mental reps that he could have done with coaches. You know, they're facing a big uphill battle. But yeah, I mean, it, everything was geared toward 2021, toward this upcoming season, not last season. I mean, again, we saw them win their last eight games, and none of them were really that close. Mm -hmm. Packers game, yes, questionable decisions by Matt LaFleur, but especially if Aaron Rodgers. Ends up leaving uh, the NFC. I, I can't see the Rogers thing getting resolved. It's either he goes or the general manager goes, and 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 we'll we'll just have to see how that plays out. They are primed for a, another run, no question about it.
2: Lars Anderson, a season in the sun, his book with Bruce Arians, the Tampa title run. Last thoughts with Lars next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Lars, last thought here. I need a Jason Light bartending story from O Street back in the day.
5: Yes. uh, Jason told me about a night that um, an intoxicated customer who he had turned away followed him to his Jeep. By the way, Jason, you know, he cruised around town with a Jeep that didn't have a top on even in the dead of winter. (laughs) (laughs) And he followed him to his Jeep and pulled a knife out on him and um the guy and right at that moment one of jason's teammates from nebraska uh arrived on the scene and the guy lost grip of the knife and let me just put it this way uh the outcome didn't end well for the attacker uh the <laughs> the snow on the ground was covered in blood and it wasn't jason so uh but <laughs> but he did tell me that, um, you know, he kind of had to reevaluate where he was going with his life after that night.
2: Well, it's worked out well. Lars, best to you. We'll, we'll get caught up again. Congratulations. A Season in the Sun, the story of the Tampa Bay title run with Lars Anderson. Lars, when's this uh, book come out?
5: It's hopefully going to be out late September, early October.
2: Well, we'll get a copy, and uh, Nebraska fans, you'll love this read. Lars, take care, buddy. All right, thanks, Chris. See you, bye-bye. All right, Lars Anderson. Long sit down with him, but pretty awesome insight. Levante, David, Sue, Bruce Arians. Lars was there uh, right after the Super Bowl and his sit down with uh, Bruce Arians. Their second book together, and of course Jason Light, uh, Husker, and of course went to Westland and a pride of Fremont man. And uh, he uh, he was a bartender at the Rail and uh, Husker uh, Husker playing having a player having a Husker. Uh, teammates back, one snowy night on O Street. And the, the
3: one part of that story I want to get more clear on is, I I wish he could have gotten into this, we're not out of time, but how the attacker just lost grip of the knife, I feel like that's a very... If, I mean, I, I wouldn't go up and sneak up on somebody with a knife, but if I did, I feel like the, the most important aspect that would be keeping hold of the knife... Disarming. It, well, I mean, yeah, I feel like light, that's definitely his, his number one priority there, is get the knife out of this guy's hands, but like...
2: Yeah, it 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 was crazy. I mean, the, that's a wild story. I can't wait to get this book and just go through it. And obviously, the Nebraska influence and impact on on Tampa's team, but even you know, Shaq Barrett. I mean, the kid's a, a, a just such an example coming from Boystown, having to you know figure out a new program after UNO and went to Colorado State and killed it, and everyone's back. So Tampa's been fun, and then uh, there's probably a lot of fun with, with Gronk in the book as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, and just of like the Super Bowls I've seen in my lifetime, this team's got one of the, the crazier stories from the season. If It's Tom Brady coming in, solidifying his legacy as the greatest quarterback of all time because he's coming to do it for a different team. And hey, let's not forget, he's doing it in a season with COVID where he's losing, I think Lars said 1,500 reps. reps.
2: That's and and and, and they, it's, they go on their
3: bye week at seven and five, barely above five hundred. They still go on and go
2: beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Well, and it's a one eighty offensive philosophy wise. Let's go big or go home versus don't screw it up. Mm-hmm. So uh, Joe Castiglione has put his thoughts on the eleven o'clock kickoff. We started off the show talking about uh, kickoff times for Nebraska. Nebraska getting. Uh, pinjotted by Oklahoma fan on Twitter. We will talk with Gary Barnett here next segment, but uh, Joe Castiglione bitterly disappointed uh, about the TV partnership. Uh, The Big 12 tried to do their part, and, uh, well, Fox not so much. No night game, and Castiglione's hot about it. Thanks for hanging out. Hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. So we'll get into Joe Castiglione's statement on Twitter. Just heard from Barry Switzer, and he's like, you know what? It's not the best time to commemorate our history. That's what Barry just texted me. 1 o'clock, 11 o'clock, night game. One o'clock would have been the traditional time uh, when the game of the century started. Welcome in the uh, head coach, Hall of Famer with Northwestern in Colorado, Gary Barnett. Coach, how's the Thursday going?
6: Uh, It's a good Thursday out here in Boulder, Chris. So other than my dogs barking at everybody that walks by, as you can hear. But uh, good day, sunny day here in Boulder.
2: Well, thanks for, for joining us. Now, what kind of pup do you have?
6: Well, I had a little knee scope on Tuesday, so uh, I'm 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 out till Saturday probably. So just uh, getting things done around the house.
2: Well, I'm wondering what kind of dog you have.
6: Well, I can tell you his name is Ditka. <laughs> uh, he is a twelve pound havanese, and he's from Chicago. So we had to give him a name that was a Chicago name. So. He's sort of grown into Ditka, you know. He's, uh-huh. He thinks he's Ditka.
2: So, so. He, he can take on the rest of the neighborhood is what you're saying. Absolutely, yeah. That's pretty good. Well, i got to ask you, when it comes to kickoff times and scheduling, Coach, how much say did you have or when it came to, to, to kickoff times? Have you had a big non-conference game? Did you push for night games, or did you let the AD handle that?
6: You know, I didn't really care, Chris. Uh, I didn't have any say in it anyway. Um, you know, any, once, you know, the latter part of my career, the TVs were telling us when we were going to play. Uh, mm-hmm. We occasionally had a chance to, you know, if, if we weren't going to be on television, we could pick it. And then, you know, I preferred the old early 1 o'clock, or not early, but standard college football time that I used to play and, and coach and watch. And so uh, I would have preferred a 1 o'clock, but... You know, we just got stuck here with an 11 o'clock game against Minnesota, which is a big, you know, it's one of our three non-conference, or two big non-conference games, an important game. So, um, you know, it doesn't hurt Minnesota because it's 12 o'clock their time, Mm -hmm. but Colorado it's 11 o'clock. Now, I didn't really care, Mm -hmm. and I, I think the players, for the most part, would just soon get out and play and get it over with, and, you know, so they have the rest of the evening to watch other people play. So, I don't think it's a big deal, but I think for fans it is.
2: What's your uh, reaction to Joe Castiglione's statement?
6: Well, I, I don't know if I saw the statement. I saw the one you sent me. That's That was it. Yeah. And so, uh, well, I, you know, I, I agree with Joe. I mean, you had a chance to revisit this great rivalry and uh, put it in what is prime time. But you think about it this way, the Texas— Oklahoma games, as big a rivalries there is, and it's played at 10 o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. uh, at the fairgrounds. So, um, you know, it's it's not all that bad. Everybody's going to watch it. So it's just, uh, uh, you know, I don't think it's such a bad time. But uh, I know it's not what they wanted.
2: I'm I'm thinking from Oklahoma's perspective, you get this thing at at night, and and you're kind of the showcase game. And I, I did a little research with the schedule. That uh, that week four and and you've got Auburn at Penn State. That's the ESPN College Game Day setup, uh, likely right. Auburn's headed to Penn State, so that's the the ABC night game. Uh, CBS will have Bama at Florida, which will be a whale of a ball game. Yep. Minnesota, yep. Colorado, Boise is hosting Oklahoma State, and then Miami uh, is hosting Michigan State. So it's a it's a great weekend of college football, but just from a historical standpoint, the headliner is Nebraska-Oklahoma. Obviously, Bama-Florida is at your top five matchup and possibly Auburn-Penn State. But I'm thinking from a recruiting standpoint, too, if I'm Oklahoma, I know they get most of their kids from uh, either Texas or California. I got a night game I can fly some kids in potentially. For uh, for, right. the, for the morning, and if you do it at uh, eleven o'clock, that's a difficult turnaround for some of the kids getting out of high school.
6: Yeah, it is, uh, and so you know it may not be that big a weekend for them. I don't think those guys really like bringing kids in at that time, anyway. But yeah, um, you know, I, th- I think part of it is is just that you know Nebraska's schedule, or Nebraska's last four, five, six years, whatever it is, they. You know the rivalry is is big in our minds because those both of those were great teams and great programs at the time, and you know Oklahoma's hung on to that sort of moniker, and Nebraska's you know needs to live up to it, I think a little bit. so I'm sure that might have had something to
2: do with it. I think it had about everything to do with it. I mean you need to start yeah. start winning ball games to yeah to to be prime time. You know, a, a, a commodity and Nebraska's brand is, but you've been it's been a while since you visited the top 25. I if I'm a TV executive, that's where I'm going. I mean, it hurts to say <laughs> it really hurts yeah, to say yeah, yeah. what yeah. uh, what what's your thought here? With I want go to go to northwestern Nebraska and then get a chance to ask you last week about the, the trip to Ireland and uh, Nebraska and uh, northwestern Fitzy and Frosty kicking things off across the pond.
6: Well, you know, it's it's interesting, and I uh, I know that uh, initially it was supposed to be Nebraska and and someone else Illinois and, this uh, year Illinois yeah and so Northwestern got pulled into it. I think Northwestern's excited about doing it. I mean, a guy like Fitzpatrick, why wouldn't he want to play in Ireland? <laughs> so uh, you know, it's uh, I think it's going to be a great thing. Uh, my son's already made arrangements to go over there, and uh, I know you know they will be it'll travel pretty well for Northwestern and. So, yeah, you know, it's even one that I I sort of have a little interest in going and attending, but probably won't.
2: Well, you want to start rowing, I'll get the boat. I mean, (laughs) Yeah,
6: that's the way I'll get there. I can't afford it the other way.
2: No kidding, no kidding. Well, when we're talking TV times, Nebraska-Northwestern is going to be a night game. We don't know the network yet, but 6.30. And when when I look at all the, the, the Big Ten games since Nebraska's been in the Big Ten, You've had some insane finishes, and they've been one possession games. Doesn't it feel kind of fitting that Nebraska Northwestern is going to be a night game?
6: Yeah, it really is, and uh, they have had just great games. You know, just back and forth, everything's been close, and then they've had some you know crazy plays in in uh, in those games as well. You know, I'll, I remember watching the 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 one that went to overtime where uh, you know quarterback the snap was bad to the quarterback and it you know in up cost of the game so it's um on the shotgun but yeah i think it's a great match it, that's become a really nice rivalry i think for the big 10 a
2: few minutes here gary barnett's with us hail varsity radio coach uh, you had some of the public information act uh materials uh, accessed by members of the media and you had a chance to see some uh, initial text messages between the Ohio State president and uh, Gene Smith, the athletic director. What would you think of what you read? More is going to come out. I mean, we're talking 2,500 pages of of documents, yeah. but it, it revisits last year. Uh, were you surprised yeah. by what you saw?
6: No, not really. I mean, I think we all knew that Ohio State was, they were going to find a way to play. And, um... So I, I don't think I'm surprised. Were you surprised? No, at that? I wasn't. I, I thought
2: I thought Nebraska. I, I thought Nebraska being as vocal as they were initially was 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 right on, and I thought Ohio State was kind of right with them there. I just don't. I just don't know how things are going to go for Commissioner Warren. You know, in in about two months with with right. me, with media days, because, you know, that's going to be happening and there's questions to answer and people are upset about how he's handled baseball. But that's baseball. But football, I mean, I guess my my take is this. I think things are rocky. I think Indiana's hacked off at the Big Ten with uh, with kind of changing the rules with playing in the conference title game and then also right. Indiana not getting to a New Year's Day six as good as they were last year. So you tell me this, you were in the league and you were in the league when Delaney was there. Uh, anything ever close to headaches like this?
6: <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, you, you know, when when I first got there in, in 90, 92, we had a real budget crisis. We had some real expense problems, and that's when uh, they they made us ride a bus if it were two hundred miles or less um, if it was four hundred, you could ride one way and and fly the fly home or fly there and go on a bus home. So we all were put under some some financial restrictions of which you know it, it helps some of us and we were one of those particular teams that that was struggling financially uh, but you know it put a big uh, you know it, it caused Ohio State and Michigan and and teams like that who could afford easily to fly it wasn't a big deal that it just sort of brought us all down to the same level I thought that was probably a little unfair but uh, I guess for the greater good that's that's the kind of stuff you've got to do but that's the, the only one I can really think of. Chris, that got close.
2: What about getting to Northwestern and then however it came up, the the fact that Northwestern was thinking of going to the Ivy league for football?
6: Well, you know, I had heard the rumors about that. um, But, uh, you know, when I went on the interview and I, I, I did a really poor job of, of, uh, investigating the whole Northwestern thing, I, I didn't do a good job. One, I didn't think I was going to take it, so I, I didn't think I needed to do that kind of work on it. But um, Secondly, uh, if you read the book by John Bacon, Fourth and Long Gone, it's I'm telling you, it was within an eyelash of Northwestern leaving that league and being out of there. And I, I didn't have any idea it was as close. As what I found out, it was. Um, so, uh, you know, I just thought, well, it's rumors, and just they hadn't won, and that's why they're doing it. But I didn't realize, you know, just how much they sort of were uh, soaking the league. I mean, they were providing <laughs> no revenue, and yet, you know, getting their share. That's and so, uh, I didn't know that. So, uh, and, and then as I went to meetings and I, I heard complaints from coaches that, that were adamant about that they said you know i don't know you guys you guys get the same money as we do and you don't you don't make us any mm. and i said whoa
2: hey man Maybe i just got, got here i'll bring the yeah. beer next time man i mean come on but yeah I, I you know so who would they have replaced northwestern with
6: Well, I don't know that they had to because they had Penn State
2: already. Okay, so so we're right at that. Okay, so you would have added Penn State. Penn State was in the league. Okay, okay, gotcha. So you were good.
6: Yeah. and In fact, I think that the fact that Penn State was coming in, that that was going to really be sort of the curtain call for Northwestern, and that would just push them out pretty easily. It was an easy transition. And so – you know, the, the, however that got changed around. I mean, North Pat and me and all the, all of our guys were just fortunate it happened. So.
2: Well, what other gigs were you considering besides Northwestern?
6: Well, I didn't have a lot of choices, Chris. You know, you don't you don't have a lot of choices when you're you're an assistant coach. And you know when i when I went in there, um, Bill McCartney. I told, came back and I said, I don't think I'm taking this job, Bill. He said, Well, they're going to offer it to you. I said, I Think they are, but I don't. I don't. You know, you should have been there with me. <laughs> and he says, You got to take it. He says, These jobs don't come around very often. It's a Big Ten job, and you understand. I grew up in the, in the uh, Big Eight, mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't know that much about the Big Ten. I, you know, it was when I spoke about us going to the Rose Bowl and and seeing the city turned upside down about it and roses and that kind of stuff, I didn't have, I didn't understand it. And uh, I was just naive to it more than anything else. So, uh, you know, to me, a job in the big eight was a better job than a job in a big 10. So, um, you you know, I just didn't know much. Mm. And Bill just said, you know, these jobs don't come around and you, you've got to take it. And so I did.
2: Well, and and you went. And I went. <laughs> yeah, to the Rose Bowl. Up. That was yeah. good. Coach, uh, have a good week and have a good holiday weekend and thanks for a few minutes today.
6: You bet, Chris. Great being with you.
2: Take care. Thank you. There he is, Gary Barnett with his Sale Varsity Radio. So nothing too new, uh, out of the uh the, the Gene Smith thing, but it's gonna be a little interesting. Come uh, come media days with Commissioner Warren. Now he's had few interviews, but he's had a A couple, right? But there are a lot. Some patrons aren't happy with him, and some have moved on, right? So let's see if year two can be better. And with Castiglione, man, uh, that's kind of unlike him. I mean, he's he's a phenomenal ad, but this probably just does slap all they wanted to do from a celebratory standpoint. And being the epicenter of, of a focal point weekend of college football.
3: Well, yeah, think about it. If you're trying to build environment around the stadium building up this huge game, it's pretty impossible that people aren't going to be showing
2: up at seven AM to do these to partake in these festivities, you know? You, you mean, still might, but just from an exposure standpoint, I mean, in early season I mean, Oklahoma's all already gonna get watched. They're gonna be top four, top five. They're a playoff favorite, not to win it, but to get there. And I
3: mean, I, I look at the slate of games that they have that weekend, and yeah, I mean, Nebraska, Oklahoma probably should be the eleven o'clock game if it's still going to be national television. But
2: Bama, Florida is not going to be a night game. I mean, CBS will it's snatch be a that. At, that's two thirty, and then Auburn, Penn State. But we're you're seeing it on Twitter. I mean, Nebraska's got to get better. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Well, let's get more into this Oklahoma response on the. Big noon kickoff, 11 a.m. deal. We say hi to the managing editor with com and magazine. His book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Brandon Vogel with his aunt Brandon L. Vogel. Vogel, are you dreaming of a 7 p.m. kick? Or Man, is Castiglione just overblowing this? This is weird, isn't it?
6: Well, it
4: struck me as a little bit of a strange thing to issue a statement on. Now we know from <laughs> earlier scheduling uh, problems with this game, uh, he's, he's pretty out front in terms of like getting things out there, uh, issuing a statement. It says to me that this must be something that Oklahoma fans cared a good deal about, and I mean I'm, I know there are Nebraska fans too who are hoping to get down there or are already planning to get down there. Who'd much rather have, you know, a two thirty or, or or a primetime kickoff? So, you know, it, it, you don't see an eighty issue, a statement on game times all that often, at least that I can remember. So, it struck me as a bit strange, but I assume it's something that uh, Sooner fans must have been talking about quite
2: a bit. He has taken it. He's probably been taking it for the last twelve to twenty-four hours. You mean think about the big money people. Think about the history. I shot you uh, uh, the response that Coach Switzer sent me, and he's kind of like, you know, what the hell, uh, as far as just it's not, not, the, not the time to celebrate our history, not not the best time. But, Vogues, if, if you're drafting, where are you drafting Nebraska-Oklahoma in 2021? Are you drafting it ahead of Auburn-Penn State? Are you drafting it ahead of Bama-Florida? Are you drafting it ahead of boise Oklahoma State, or Minnesota, Colorado, or even Sparty Miami. Now, in our heart, yes, it's top of the list. It's always top of the list. It's Nebraska. It's Oklahoma. But if you're if you're a TV guy, if you're a TV exec, you know where are you picking this game?
4: Yeah, it's it's tough at at the moment. Obviously, like Oklahoma looks like it could have. I mean, it's consistency over the past 20 years is, is impressive, but it looks like it could have one of its best teams. And with Nebraska, we don't know that yet. Uh, it hasn't been close to you close to that. So, you know, I don't know that this is given some of the other games you mentioned. Like, I don't know if this is top choice for, for the primetime slot either. Uh, <clears throat> so that, that afternoon slot is probably where, where I would have gone. It's a little bit of the best of the worlds though. Fox definitely does, you know, from Fox's perspective, I think they're probably like we're giving it our second best slot or maybe even our our best slot because you're going to have – you have a two-hour pregame show. There's plenty to talk about, um, obviously with the history between the programs, but then with everything that's gone on around this game to this point. um, So I think Fox is is giving it a a lot of attention. And, yeah, they're serving their own interests. They want to continue making Big News Saturday. A thing, and you know, back in 2019, I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but going up against game day is is tough, and and they made some impressive impressive strides. So it, you can't totally fault the strategy at this point.
2: No, and and Urban was huge, and and having Clat on the broadcast is big. Urban's now in Jayville, looking at his new tight end. So you got big game Bob, who sure as hell won't be biased at all. Uh, kind of moving into the the coach's chair there, but you know I look at Fox and they just have two college football games scheduled that day. It's Nebraska at eleven, and then it's uh, USC at Washington State at, at, at two thirty. Now that baseball's regular season gets done at the end of September, so I don't think you're running into any ML, MLB postseason snafus. They just don't have a night. Kickoff scheduled. And it's not, that's not always the case because there's been some Big Twelve games that they've had at night. But I don't know. Even if even if ABC's taking uh, Penn State and Auburn, you would think ESPN would. Well, they're, they'll they'll do an SEC game, but I I don't know if that SEC game w- would trump Nebraska, Oklahoma, whatever the second. Place SEC game is because you know CBS is going to print money with Bama Florida in the afternoon. So now and the, the the social media arrows from Oklahoma fan has been a little bit unforgiving here the last two hours. Uh, Bamani Jones also off the top rope uh, with the steel chair. the 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 sad truth is you've just got to make a bowl game and and win. And be above five hundred if you're Nebraska. If you want to bitch about kickoff times,
4: yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's kind of where where things are. Like, you know, it, it's it, it, you just don't have a lot that that commands that now. You know, I did see uh, a number of people mention, you know, two thousand two thousand one when the roles were kind of reversed. I mean, Oklahoma was ranked in the top five at that point, so it's it's not a one to one comparison by any means, but was coming off, you know, a, a rough four, five, six-year stretch. Um, those, those were noon games, 11 a.m. games, too. Um, and, and I think that's more a reflection of kind of how much college football has changed in that, you know, we're geared towards, oh, the biggest games happen at night. Um, and that, that wasn't necessarily the case 20 years ago.
3: Yeah, Brandon, I, I pulled up some stats uh, This is from SportsMediaWatch.com. It had the ratings of all the uh, the nationally televised games from last year. And aside from three weeks last season, the college football season, this was a longer college football season because of the weird start times. Uh, aside from three weeks, the top game every single week, national, uh, according to the rating, was either a 3.30 kickoff or a noon kickoff. So for central time, that's 2.30 or a noon kickoff. Is, is that surprising to you that it's consistently these 2.30 and, and noon starts that are actually getting the top ratings?
4: Yeah, a little bit, particularly on a Saturday. I mean, I think the theory behind prime time is, well, one, from a fan's perspective, everything just feels bigger, right? The lights are on. Um, you've had all day to, to get ready for the game and, and the anticipation builds. Um, and, and I think you feel that whether you're at the game or whether you're at home. Um, I it, it seems a bit strange because putting them later in the day, I mean, the, so people can go about their Saturdays, you know, not everybody uh, – Sits down and, and watches as, as much as they can in 14 straight hours of football. Though I highly recommend it; it's, it's one of my favorite <laughs> things to do. Um, so that that is a bit a bit interesting. And I think what that kind of indicates is that so much of this is matchup driven. Like if the game people want to see is at noon or is at 3:30, they'll make a point to to see it. Um, so. It's, it's just, uh, it's it's one of those off-season things. I, I was, like we would already said, I was, I was very surprised that this became a thing. Because when those game times came down, I was like, oh, that's not ideal. It's not what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think it would become, quote-unquote, a thing for an afternoon.
2: Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. You uh, can find Brandon on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. Uh, managing editor dot com and magazine. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, his book, Dream Like a Champion. So how rough is it going to be? We were talking with Coach Barnett about this. What do you anticipate here? And I know we're we're a few weeks away, but can year two be better for, for Commissioner Warren uh, based on some of the freedom of information stuff that's coming out with Ohio State?
4: I think so. Uh, I think if he makes a point to be a little bit more kind of, Open and available, um, it, you know, a big story where he talks candidly about the challenges that the pandemic brought for his first year probably would would help with that a little bit. Some additional success on the on the football field w- wouldn't hurt either. And not not that the Big Ten's been bad by any means, you know, it's just been well Ohio State's your title contender, and then who else is going to flirt with it for a while? Other than the year where it was Ohio State got selected over Penn State, besides despite not winning the league title, the Big Ten hasn't totally had that. Wisconsin's been close a little bit, but never like there was never any kind of selection day drama with anybody else in the Big Ten. By just that one year, Uh, can they get there where you've got two teams in real contention? Um, I don't know who those two teams are going to be. Um, in fact, you know, you look at Ohio State, and it's it's foolish to to even consider it. But if there's a year to get Ohio State, this might be it. Just with a new quarterback, plus the, you know they annually have to replace like half their team. But I think that would go a long way. Those kind of two two factors: be a little bit more open, be a little bit more available, talk candidly about what's happened in the past, uh, which will buy you some goodwill for the future, and then hopefully your football team will come through for you.
2: Well we're talking t v schedules, we're talking Commissioner Warren. Can we just make this set in stone that Nebraska Northwestern is always going to be a night game
4: <laughs> It seems like it you know last year was obviously a unique circumstance, and it felt like Nebraska played at eleven a m every every week um but th- yeah, those northwestern night games they they tend to they tend to work out pretty well for yeah, well, just that game. I mean, all those games have been close, and they've been played at a variety of times. But I'll sign up for Northwestern Nebraska at night.
2: Oh, and it's going to be a good recruiting weekend, you'd think, with the ability to bring folks in. And uh, that's nice. Last thought here on, on TV and kickoff times. Vogues, and, and maybe you have some access to this, Elijah, as well. But Nebraska's brand is still a, a national draw, clearly. But from a, from an eyeball standpoint, Nebraska's had some of the most watched college football games the last five years. Forget ten years. Forget twenty years. Forget glory era. People still watch. The nation still will, will tune in and check out Nebraska, Ohio State. A lot of that's Ohio State, but you've got Nebraska, Penn State. Nebraska still does well with TV eyeballs. Don't I mean? It's fair to say?
4: Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and you know, and so much of. The kind of ratings game is changing too, as people watch in different ways. Uh, we all still try to figure out like w- what's the best way to accurately mm-hmm. measure this. Um, it, you know, brand names like that are are, are always going to play. You know, because you think about it, if you're you're the average college football fan who doesn't have a stake in the game, most of the time that person's going to jump into a game that includes Nebraska almost no matter who it's against. Versus. You know uh, the the Mountain West game that that kicks off at three thirty, which is no disrespect to Mountain West. Oftentimes, <laughs> uh, it, they don't get the attention that they deserve, and I think a lot of that's just built into hey names names that people recognize. So uh, so it goes for Nebraska. Um, <laughs> I don't know that the eleven a.m. Fordham slot was their desired uh, <laughs> slot for that because uh, recruiting wise, but hey, so it goes. You know that's what the money's for, as they say.
2: Vogue's uh, about uh, 20 seconds, bud. A, a thought here on the, the yearbook. I know it's getting close to, to print time with the Hale Varsity yearbook.
4: Yeah, it is. I wish we were past the, the print deadline because there's, <laughs> there's there's a lot to uh, to proof and edit before then. But I'm, I'm really excited for, for people to get a chance to see it here in June. Um, an, another really good compliment of stories. Um, got some features on. On players who will matter quite a bit uh, still really proud of the analysis that goes into that whether it's position by position for Nebraska or previewing all the Big Ten so excited for people to see
2: it. Vogue's we'll talk Saturday thanks for jumping on today Thank you all right. Brandon Vogel play.
1: And we're back fellas, so, think we could listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery Yes!
2: That's awesome. Back in it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke with us, pride of Chicago, at Danny Burke Five on Twitter's where you find him, Veasan Sports Networks where you hear him, Rush Hour six to seven weeknights, uh, over hundred affiliates, and iHeartMedia where you can hear it. Danny, how's uh, how's the old NBA treating you so far? Postseason's been pretty entertaining.
0: Man, it has been entertaining, and the cool thing about it is now that these games are narrowed down, you get a lot more unique type of opportunities to bet different kind of props, which I like to delve into, as you know, very much compared to more so the straight up game bets. And I still do those, but um, honestly, there's a lot more available, so it's been fun to kind of get into those and kind of doing the same for tonight.
2: Well, a trio of ball games box heat. You have uh, Milwaukee uh, leading two nothing. Uh, Phoenix, L.A. Uh, Big time for L.A. to come back and tie that series up. That's uh, the line six and a half, Lake Show, Milwaukee, a one and a half point favorite on the road. And then Nuggets, Blazers. That's been uh, really awesome. Uh, Series tied at one apiece, Portland at home. Uh, They are uh, favored by four. So let's start off with uh, Milwaukee and Miami. Some in-game intrigue for you.
0: Yeah, so with this one, just first of all, looking at the overall game, I mean, I'm tempted to go with Milwaukee. We saw the line open one in favor of Miami. Now it's swung over milwaukee being a one and a half point favorite and it's hard to disagree with that considering what we've seen the first two games especially the second game but look if there's a team who's going to play top their first home game in the series it's going to be this miami heat team that is still pretty deep they just need to get the offense going and that kind of leads me to my point with one of these players i say they have to get the offense going but i think his prop is a little bit too highly adjusted and that's jimmy butler i'm a big jimmy buckets fan the former chicago Bull. but look you know in the series Game two, we only dropped 10 points, Schmitty. In game one, he only dropped 17. He's not necessarily your perennial scorer. Duncan Robinson was the main guy game one. And then Bam Adebayo's been slacking, too. I mean, Milwaukee's a great defensive team. They're not as good as they were in the past couple seasons, but they still defend very well, especially at the rim. So we're seeing in some spots Jimmy Butler's points prop at 24-and-a-half, which is kind of absurd to me. And you saw it at 23-and-a-half in some books, too. So I took advantage of the better number, played the under in this spot. Because, again, look, he only got 17 and 10, respectively, in the first two games. Plus he's only averaging 21-and-a-half on the whole season in its entirety. You Look at his shot selection, 46% come at the rim. And, again, the Bucks are limiting opponents to making just over 61-and-a-half percent at the rim which is fourth best in the association. So I'm not expecting a huge game out of Butler, and even if he does have a solid game, 24.5 seems a little bit too high. No chance I'd go to the over with that. So I play Butler under 24.5 points.
2: Bottom, bottom line is he either goes off for, for 30 and hammers you in-game and the Heat win, and they, mm-hmm. they keep fighting, or oh, this thing's 3-zip and Milwaukee's about ready to close out. I mean, that's cut and dry tonight.
0: 100% right I mean it's all going to be correlated with Butler so if he's finding a rhythm finally then yeah then maybe you want to look toward uh, Miami closing out this game if you can get a good in-game betting opportunity as well but I'm leaning with the Bucks a little bit and again still not sold on Jimmy's offense in this series.
2: What do you like about this Suns-Lakers series here tied at one apiece uh, what's some in-game intrigue and as far as the overall do you like the six and a half number?
0: Yeah, and I saw that seven earlier, and seven. If I said anything, I think you got to take the points with Phoenix. I know Los Angeles is having momentum now and going home, and all of that factored in. But look, at the end of the day, Phoenix is still a pretty deep team, and I think they can compete with these guys. So overall, especially now that the line's dropping a little bit, I'm not going to be touching anything with that. However, I am going to be going the route of a player prop once again. How about DeAndre Ayton over 14.5, minus 127? He's averaging right out there this whole season, but even more so against the Lakers, Schmitty. He's averaging 18.4 points per game versus the Lake Show. He's gone over this mark of 14.5 in four out of five games versus the Lakers. In both of these playoff games, game one dropped 21 points. Game two dropped 22 points. And then the other couple games, like I said, during the regular season, 17-26, the only game he didn't go over is where he dropped six points, but that's because he only took three shots and he made them all. So Aiden is a guy who's taking primarily all the shots at the rim, 61%. He's making 75% of them. Lakers and other team that's sound defensively, but where they slack is at the rim. They're allowing opponents to shoot 65%, which is a little bit below average in the NBA, and a majority of the shots overall, high frequency, are coming at the rim. So the opportunities clearly have been there for Aiden. I think they continue tonight, take advantage of the lower prop number, and go over with Aiden at 14.5.
2: What do you like here with uh, the Nuggets and Blazers?
0: So I went in a different route here. I kind of lean toward the Blazers for this whole series, and they're still a favorite with their series price. I, I lean toward them to win this game tonight, Shmidi. I don't like the line being over three. If it's three-and-a-half, four, I kind of just want to stay away. But again, going with another player prop. And this one, you've got to be willing to lay a little bit more. But it's a unique one as well. Michael Porter, Jr., the number of three-point field goals made. I went under three-and-a-half. I think three-and-a-half is a tad bit too high. I laid about minus 150 to go to the under. He's averaging less than three three three-point field goals made per contest overall this season. He's only gotten four or more in 17 out of 63 games this season. Has not eclipsed more than three three three-pointers against the Blazers in four contests so far this season. Or maybe it's five, excuse me. But, uh, again, averaging versus Portland, he's only making two threes per contest as well and he stayed under it, like I said, in all five games. And, you know, Portland defensively isn't a really good team from the three-point range. That's where they've allowed the most damage to occur. But the past two games in this postseason, they've actually limited opponents to shooting under 38%, which is fairly solid compared to what we saw from them before. So I think MPJ stays under three-and-a-half three-point field goals made laid a decent price to do so. But I love him as a player. He's stepped up. I just, from beyond the arc, the Blazers are defending him pretty well, so I'm hoping he kind of is lackluster from that spot continuously.
2: Have you looked at uh, series, you know, who you've picked, Suns, Lakers, Nuggets, Blazers? Have you gone that route? How many games and who wins them?
0: So I didn't do any with them in particular. The interesting strategy with the Lakers is the time to jump in on them was after game one because it went down to basically a pick 'em for the series price, and now they're about minus 315, Schmitty. Uh, same thing with the Nuggets. When they were down 1-0, you could get them over $2, catching 2-1 to one odds or more, which is a good price. Similar opportunity we're still seeing here, though, with the Clippers and the Mavericks. Yes, the Clippers have looked abysmal, and Dallas has been really solid, but you can get the Clippers at 2-1 to one odds. I thought they were the deepest team in the West going into this, so I haven't played anything on that, but if there's still kind of a viable option for a series price, that would be my route.
2: You clean it up with uh, the Nets. Uh, you like how, how they're flowing right now?
0: Yeah, oh, I love the Nets. So, I mean, to come out of the East, I bet the Sixers a while back at plus 440. But for this series in particular, a bet that I made was for this series to finish in under five and a half games, meaning my assumption is that the Nets were either going to sweep or win in five. I laid about minus 167 to do so. We had a big segment on it in the show, you know, the differences. In betting uh, the Nets to sweep or win in five versus taking the single bet of number of games played in the series, and long story short, it was worth laying the minus 167 to go under five and a half games played in this series. And. You know, knock on wood, Schmitty. it's looking pretty good thus far. The Celtics team is really just not that solid. They've had a rough year, and the Nets are finally getting acclimated with one another. So i like this Brooklyn team to finish it out. Probably, you know, I think, you know, in a sweep would not surprise me by any stretch of the imagination at this point.
2: Danny Burke with us. Burke's best bets. Pride of Chicago and Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Rush Hour, his show, 6-7 to 7 weeknight Central. And, of course, can hear him on iHeart and uh, different affiliates across the country. Daddy, about 10 seconds, what's on the horn tonight?
0: Uh, Tonight we're going to be talking a little bit of basketball, of course, with our VEASAN uh, senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Von Tobel, And then we're hitting hockey, baseball, and a little bit more props and NBA like we were talking about on the show as well. So getting you ready for all the postseason
2: action. There he is, pride of Chicago, Daddy Burke. Uh, Daddy, we'll get caught up next week. Thanks for a few minutes today.
0: You bet, Schmidty. Take care.
2: Good stuff from Danny Burke, Pride of Chicago. We'll wind down a Thursday with Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: One final time and just doing a little digging, uh, Fox Sports has a regular season baseball game scheduled at 7 p.m. on the 18th of September. And I also did some digging and the the big noon kickoff,
3: Nebraska's big one last year against uh, Ohio State actually drew a lot better ratings than a lot of the 7 like – the, the, the night games. The LSU-Alabama game last mm-hmm. year. It was a night game, and Nebraska drew almost 2 million viewers in the Nebraska-Ohio State game than Bama and LSU did. More.
2: 2 million more viewers, yeah. yes. Well, here's one thing for certain. Uh, Get your hot tub now from Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln, off Industrial Road in Omaha, spasonline.com. Get that hot tub picked out so you can be in it and relaxing during Nebraska-Oklahoma. Deb, isn't that the the game plan?
7: That's the game plan, and I think I might go out and turn ours up a couple degrees. It's kind of chilly out there tonight, and the wind (laughs) is blowing. That's, That's the nice thing about having a hot tub You can adjust that temperature, whether it's 80-plus degrees one day and 60 and going down into the 40s the next.
2: You know, whether it's football season or baseball season, Deb, you've got that temperature gauge to make it refreshing and relaxing.
7: We sure do, and we have all the sizes. The nice thing is you could go from a little two-person spa up to the big swim spas and everything in between. We're actually starting to get... Uh, those lead times down a little bit so uh, it's a time to come in get that spa ordered and we'll get it in your backyard as soon as we possibly can. Deb
2: you've been doing this for three decades you've helped folks get uh, so many different uh, spas and the swim spas really it's got to kind of take the cake of all the spas you've seen isn't it over Uh, the years?
7: Oh my gosh we started out selling those little soft tubs yeah. They were round, they weighed 65 pounds, and they had four jets. <laughs> so now we're selling a 19-foot spa with I don't even know how many jets you can you can say that that one has. It, Yeah, you're right. If they'd have told us this 30 years ago, we would have said, you're dreaming.
2: When can folks come see you, Deb, this weekend and throughout the week?
7: Well, we're there Monday through Friday, 10 to 6. And then Saturday will be there 10 to 4. And our website it's spasonline.com.
2: And Deb, last thought. You don't have any Boomer Sooner colors down there, do you?
7: No. <laughs> no, I don't even have to look.
2: There we go. I can it's, tell
7: you no. You've got the, okay. big, you got
2: the big red, but no sooner, sooner maroon, thankfully. <laughs> Deb, we'll talk right. next week. Thank you so much.
7: Okay. Okay, Chris. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye bye.
2: Go see Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation, Spas 20th and Highway 2 off Industrial Road in Omaha, log on spasonline.com, and no Sooner Maroon in the showroom. Thank God. That's good. Mm. That's good. Longwells, tomorrow, you're coming back from the Nebraska baseball game. Pop on by Longwells. We're down in the rail yard post-Nebraska, Michigan, and uh, pour one. Enjoy. Relax. Warm up. Will Wilson
3: from the uh, or the, ex- the morning hookup now is going to be uh, in a little, little guest spot doing some producing. You have a
2: wedding to attend. Yeah, tomorrow night's the, uh, the rehearsal dinner, so I've got I to go do that. Well, that's a good time, and uh, you'll nail the speech. Elijah, appreciate you, brother. Uh, Longwell's tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity. Roadshow Friday. Talk to you then. Thanks.